looking to get cold side of Font. Lafondra away from David. 3 1 running. Three points running. Hello and welcome to the Elm Park Rolls end of season review. This is when we look back at our glorious, successful season. I'll note we finished seventh, but it's still significantly better than last season. And to help me talk through it, I've been joined by Matt Williamson. Hi, Matt. Hi. Yeah, definitely a better season than I was expecting. So this this should be fun. Yeah, I think so. It should be quite upbeat. You know, let's forget the last second equaliser today when we're recording this. But I've also been joined by Alex Everson. Hi, Alex. Hey, Paul. We could define success in so many different ways, but uh, it feels yeah. like that's that's probably a off-season podcast, like Philip. Philosophical, philosophical discussion, right? Yeah, that's really, really uh, deep. I'm not sure that's right for a football podcast. (laughs) What is success? Are you going to put like the definition of it? That's quite hard with a football club. But let's get back to Reading FC and Panovic. The surprise appointment, which we all had to Google and look up. Matt, when you first heard he was coming to the club, what was your first reaction? Who? Uh, But after that, I think I was a bit surprised that we hired someone that to me at least on paper seemed fairly similar to Mark Bowen in that he plays slightly more expansive football but that's not too difficult um he played in a fairly similar system kind of um the concerns over him were largely the same about him being untried and kind of having unknowns over him but well, I don't know if you want to go into what I then got to, but obviously it's been a better season than I expected from that, from uh, my initial assessment of him. Yeah, I think there's been quite I mean, a huge amount of positives, isn't there, Panovic? We finished seventh on his own. There's a massive uh, plus point for him. But the fact is, he's, I think he's improved a lot of players and we go into later the most improved one. But what would you say that Panovic has really changed about the whole club, Alex? Do you feel more positive going forward with him? Yeah, I think so. I think you've got to, don't you? Um, I think the main thing seems to be that we have an element of of squad spirit and squad morale, togetherness, uh, however you want to define it. It appears that we do actually have like a almost like a team, as opposed to a bunch of players that we've seen maybe in the past few years, where we've we've had multiple players in the squad who might be very talented, but they don't necessarily gel together. They don't necessarily. I don't get on I almost yeah I don't know I, I'm not in the dressing room every day but like it just just from what you can kind of see on the field it, it feels like there's a bit more kind of um belief and, and pride in themselves um which I think Panovic has, has brought to the club um and then obviously on the field as well we've we've seen the improvement of um the multiple players as, as you said especially those kind of who have been maybe expected to improve um, in, in probably Elise and, and Richards, uh, at least to some extent, and McIntyre. Um, but I think we've come to rely on those players a lot more this season because of how much maybe Paunovic has, has put his trust into those players, whether yeah, that's forced or not is, mm, is yeah. maybe a, another discussion. But um, it does it does feel like we've, we've, we've had that trust kind of put into those those players who are, younger than 23 22 yeah i mean i think in many ways he has maximized the squad that we've got at the moment we've had so many injuries throughout the season that's not unique lots of other clubs have the same situation matt but i kind of really would like to see how we're going to advance next season because 
there's lots of pluses to him, but there's a few worries and issues with his substitutions and game management. Do you, do you think that's fair? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, even today we saw that that's sort of the case, um, shutting up shop when maybe we could have a bit more of a killer instinct. And shutting up shop is all well and good as long as you see games out, but we're not doing that. So it's a little bit of a problem. Um, when it comes to substitution, he often leaves them a bit too late. He sometimes makes, or well, in the context of shutting up shop, they make sense. But in the wider overall context, they can be a bit confusing. Um, and I think that whilst he has developed youth players and those youth players has come on, um, have become better, um, as Alex kind of alluded to, a lot of that has forced changes. And while that's that's fine this year and he has been good this year, it'll be interesting to see how he bloods through youth that he, he kind of wants to rather than needs to. Yeah, I agree with that. We look at Tetek today as an example. There's a fine opportunity to play him in his last game of the season. We don't know the reason why Samedo is playing. He might just want to play him. There could be contractual reasons. We just don't know. But I'd like to see him play more in the season. I'm sure there's some other players, maybe a Kamara. These are all players that we need to see play on a consistent basis. And if in the summer we do manage to kind of not just numbers, but improve the quality of depth in our team, which I know Redden fans will be thinking, FFP, FFP, we're not going to do that, Paul. Don't talk about it. But in a magical world that that does happen, you'd like to see still going to filter through some of those young players, Alex. And we'll see how it works out, but I don't know. As I mean, manager, it must be very tempting not to do that because you feel more secure with the more senior players, don't you? Yeah. Uh, it, next season, if, if we're still going to have to name nine players on the bench, which I think we are, I don't think there's going to be any change to that rule really going forwards. Um, you, you're going to have to rely on some of these players to fill out the bench week after week and I think you you got to you you need to play them a couple of times ideally uh, especially in this kind of dead rubber game you would today you would have hoped to have seen some of these players kind of players in the in the last couple of games of the season um maybe Dorset Kamara Bristow um Aziz Melvin Lambert there's a lot of youth players who I think Reading fans are, are kind of like they're looking to get excited about but the excitement isn't necessarily there. And I know Melvin Lambert is a, probably a bad example because he's not actually at the club at the moment. But um, it would be it would be kind of foolish almost not to at least uh, expect to have to see some of them play next season. Yeah, another factor we can't forget is the COVID factor that Panovic and all the managers in the leagues have had to deal with. He's managed to create unity because the team is winning without any fans there. It will be a totally different experience for the players and the manager to have a crowd of, I don't know, first day of the season, just off the top of my head, in an ideal world, 14,000, 15,000. That's Reading FC levels, isn't it, Matt? That would be just great to see that. And if we do pick up momentum in the first five or six games of the season, he's going to have all this credit of last season, isn't he, to go on to? Yeah, I think that... Next season is going to be crucial, obviously, like it would be dumb to say otherwise. Uh, in terms of the crowd, like he, I think he already said that when 2000 were in, it, it felt like a completely different atmosphere and, and spurred the team on, even if, to my recollection, we didn't win that many with 2000 in the ground. But uh, that's something else to come on to. Um, I think that if he gets off to a good start, as you say, 
all these questions sort of will drift away. Um, if if he doesn't, then much like Jose Gomez, he could be looking at you know quite a short tenure um, from the start of the season. But hopefully that doesn't happen. Like nobody wants to see uh, a manager lose their job, especially after you know quite a good good season. And to be fair to the owners, they gave Yapstam time. So whether that was they they feel like they've learned from that mistake, and that's why Gomez didn't get that time or not, or whether they saw, you know, something in Stam and and hopefully Paunovic, uh, it, it remains to be seen. Yeah, our owners is the unspoken issue, isn't it? We never know what they're going to be doing. We could be recording this right now and Paunovic is sacked in an hour. You just don't know. It sounds completely crazy, but I would never eliminate these issues. So on a grade, Alex, from A to E, what would you give him? Uh, probably go B, solid B, uh, pretty good overall, really. M- majority of things that you'd look at, you know, we've, d- we've done well in the league table. Uh, we've looked entertaining, improved players um, throughout the season. Obviously, there's some negatives as well, which we've kind of we've kind of delved into. Um, you know, maybe a lack of a lack of trust in some players and, and some odd in-game substitutions and um, things that might need to be worked on. But overall, I'd say better than expected um, from from a manager who we didn't really know anything about. And overall, you know, please have him at the club and hopefully we'll still be here in September, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, you never know. What are you going to grade him, Matt? Yeah, I mean, Alex has basically taken the words out of my mouth, like a B or a B plus, I think. Um, given the expectations at the start of the season, he clearly exceeded those. Um, yes, okay, towards the end of the season, things have taken a bit of a downward turn, but there's still positives to me that weren't there Bowen's or Clement's tenure. There are still ideas that I can understand Um that I hope that we can build on, especially if he's allowed to bring his own kind of profile player in. Yeah, that's the big factor, isn't it? Um, I think I give him a B as well. I think he's got a unity in the team and squad, which you've both mentioned. It's also, I think he's kind of brought the club together. Everyone I've spoken to who works at Red Inks just says he's a fantastic man and they love him. You would expect them to say that about everyone who works at the club uh, as a manager. But they don't always. <laughs> so this one, I think, is a genuine one. Uh, spill the teapot. You can't. Like, <laughs> I'm not sure you can say that without saying you're talking about. I'm not you? saying anything. I'm just moving on from that one. So uh, definitely a B for me. I, I really want to see how he does. And I hope the owner doesn't do something crazy and get rid of him. I know you can sit here and say, oh, in 10 games time, we could change our mind and think we need to move on. But that's football, isn't it? If you can't be, you have to be pragmatic in the situation. So now let's have a look at some kind of fun moments throughout the season. Best moment of the season for you then, Alex? Let's start with you on. Uh, best moment of the season. I will go with um, Tom McIntyre's debut goal. You know, it was an excellent moment to see. I'm sure I've probably just stolen one of your moments. Uh, it was yeah. an excellent, excellent, <laughs> you know, it was excellent to see like, Someone who's risen through the academy, um, you know, come up, played, I think he played maybe 25, 30 games by this point. 
you could see it, it was just a great like thing to see and and for a reading fan who's kind of born reading lived in reading his whole life and then to to finally get his chance to to actually score it, it was a really just cool moment to to see um and you know i think it's probably one of the more defining photos of the season is mcintyre running off with like you know the massive long hair streaming back from his streaming back from his head and uh after he'd scored it was like just screaming in celebration so i think i think i'll go for yeah mcintyre's goal yeah you stuffed me there alex and you know it <laughs> so matt what would you say was your best moment then uh, I think John Swift's free kick um, against Coventry uh, just, I, I don't know if it even got into the EFL goal of the season voting, but it was by far the best goal that I saw this year. Um, I mean, there are a couple of others kind of you know, um, notable, I can't even remember. Honourable mentions. Honourable mentions, thank you. <laughs> yeah, like sort of um, the team performance away at Blackburn, um, in, in that game that at the time felt absolutely pivotal to actually get a win there was was great. And then similarly, um, Bournemouth um, at home, uh, both of those games felt like must wins and, and felt like big wins at the time. Um, but as a John Swift super fan, as my Twitter, uh, Twitter states, I've got to go with his goal because it just it, it was outstanding. It's, it's hard to argue with that. It was an absolutely incredible goal. I mean, nobody expected him to score from there. I remember just looking at my laptop thinking, no, he's he's going to cross it. He's not going to shoot from there. Like, what? That's <laughs> gone in. Absolutely insane. My, I'll pick something different. I agree with both your moments. Brilliant moments as well. I'm going to go for uh, Lucas Jow. The ball roll he does in the Bournemouth 3-1 win at home. And he completely kills the Bournemouth defender. Maybe Mepham. I'm not quite sure which one it was. And it's so enjoyable when he rolls that ball in. Maybe that was the end of Lucas Jow this season in many ways on the good run. But oh, at that moment, it was just a wonderful thing. And I go for a bit more oddball moment of the season. Lucas Jow in his Christmas Santa outfit. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> That I'll, was uh, next level. <laughs> yeah, that 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 was that was um that was a uh, definitely an image you're not going to forget anytime soon, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm going to just throw in there just while we're talking about best moments. Um, Morrison's goal against Bristol City, um, mm. and and the the you know the birth of Moradonna as well. But um, did it take a deflection, Alex, or was it? Uh, no, it didn't. Don't do that, Matt. Don't do it that. Was, <laughs> it was 100% intentional, and I'm sure he meant to lob the keeper. So, yeah. Oh, don't, don't let facts get in the way of the truth. There. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that whole that whole movement was, I mean, obviously amazing. But I think the commentator was like, "Oh, Zhao has such great vision to find um, Morrison." It's like he was not trying to pass that ball <laughs> at all. Uh, you know. <laughs> that that was definitely, I think, uh, the, the funnest moment of the year. The best, you know, who, what is best? Yeah, I remember a moment early in the season, uh, Yaku Mate against Cardiff away when he took out three players with a flick mm. as well. <laughs> and you think, wow, where's that come from? <laughs> it's like, not used to seeing that. Yeah, there, there is just random moments, isn't there, throughout the they season? They played that on Soccer Saturday. Like, that, just that one little moment. They were like, he is going to be embarrassed about that. <laughs> uh, do you want to pick a, pick a winner out, Paul? 
Oh, pick a winner. I mean, that is really tough, isn't it? Um, um, oh, someone, I'm going to be unpopular here with some people listening, but I'm just going to pick out Tom McIntyre for my one, just for the sheer reason that is a Redden fan scoring on the pitch when none of us are in the stadium. And I think we all love T-Mac and we want him to do well. And after that game earlier in the season when he had a bit of a shock against Preston, he has come on so much and we've really missed him when he's not been there. So, yeah, I think that'd be it. But it's really hard to choose, if, isn't it? If he, could, if he could score again next season when we're actually in the stadium, oh. that would be good. good contender for next year's moment of the season as well, I'm sure. Yeah, let's just hope he's here next year. Yes. Oh, oh, look at that bringing us down again, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> it's my role. My role on the pod is to it's be a good role. It's a good reason. Role. I love it. <laughs> it's true. So I can't argue with it. So let's kind of flip the mood slightly and go to worst moment of the season. Matt, what would you go with? Well, this is my time to shine, isn't it? After that, um, there have been a few. Um, for me, I think it's probably the game away at Coventry. Um, it, it stopped our winning run at the start of the year. And and specifically kind of Raphael's performance in that match where he didn't have the best of games and then flapping it a long-range shot, he really should have done better with. I'm not even sure flapping is the right verb because he kind of, I, I don't know what he was trying to do. He was trying to punch it and then didn't manage that either. And yeah, I... For me, that's that's kind of where things took a downward turn and, and they never really picked back up. Yeah, it dented our confidence badly, didn't it? And we kind of, we were fragile because we haven't had a decent run of matches and wins for so long. And it just took one performance to really unsettle us, Alex. Yeah, and uh, I think it took us, what we, we lost three games in a row, didn't we, after that? Preston and Stoke straight after that, both 3-0 defeats and, and we looked pretty awful in both of those matches from from memory as well um and multiple times this season when we have kind of had a, a bad performance or a, kind of a knockback it's it has taken us a couple of games to get back into that kind of into the rhythm of things um which is yeah ultimately that's that can cost you at the end of the season yeah i mean i'll get it go there worst moment of the season it has to be unfortunately we all know it we all know it's coming Barnsley away Yakumete gets in front of the goalie passes it to Lucas Jow now most of us even listening to us could have scored that one moment but they wouldn't be able to do anything else on the pitch just that one moment and that was a defining moment wasn't it I mean if we score there go 2-1 up come away from there with three points you can never say we would have definitely made the playoffs, but I feel that we would. Oh, we been... would have, but we would have made the playoffs. Is what you're going to say? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say it. I completely contradict myself. You'll never know, but you just feel it would have been a huge swing in our direction, Matt, wouldn't it? Been? Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, whether we would have made the playoffs, who knows? We yeah. still had a difficult running from that point, but mm. it, it it not only. I mean, it just completely changed the mood. Not only did we not win and therefore we didn't have the bounce, we also had the fact that we had missed such a big chance that we we had a dip. And that it, I mean, OK, we, we actually won the game after. So, you know, that was against Derby, so not, not the best. But I, we just seemed to lack belief after that Derby game that we could win those big games. I mean, I don't... I mean, we, we haven't won since that Derby game, but we have played, obviously, Watford and Swansea and Norwich. So maybe it's not quite as bad as it sounds. But 
yeah i mean that that i don't think is is going to stop haunting me anytime soon it, it might even be as bad as you know hitting the post in the playoff final Oh God, no! <laughs> don't, don't mix them up. <laughs> what a depressing couple of minutes this has been. Uh, but the thing um, is, that miss has actually covered up the fact that Yadam gave away a completely pointless penalty. Mm. It's odd, isn't it? That's just kind of gone into the mist of time. That that's just been done from that. But yeah, it is frustrating. But go on, Alex. I'm going to throw one out from left field and say John Swift's injury, worst moment of the season. I think it maybe has gone kind of under the radar that we've only actually lost one match when Swift has played this season. And that was last week against Norwich when we played, let's be honest, the best team in the league. Um, and we didn't play a full strength team. Apart from that, I think Swift's played 14 matches this season and we've, we're undefeated. Uh, not having him on the field this year for such a significant amount of time has just been huge. And his injury after, you know, two games, just it completely, it just derails the the sense of kind of, I guess, uh, the sense of the squad and the, the, the feeling that you've got like uh, your best players on the field at all times. And yeah, I think that that would probably be, I'm, I'm not going to say it's my worst moment of the season because the, you know, the one you threw out there did steal my moment, Paul, as well. Uh, so we're one all on that front now. Um, but I think that would be a close contender for second place. That that Norwich game also, he came off the field at 1-1. So Oh, well, thank you, Matt. <laughs> yeah. in, that, in that case, I'm going to take John Swift is unbeaten this season as my uh, stat of the season. Well, just shows you the impact he has. I mean, he's been a really huge miss. A game that I kind of remember that I thought was pivotal. And sometimes you have these moments in the season, you think if you turn it round, was the Birmingham City game. We were 2-0 down, played awful in the first half, then got it back to 2-1. Then Lucas Jow has the opportunity to score the penalty. Now, up until that point, he scored all his penalties. So you felt fairly confident, I think. I can't speak for everyone, obviously. If we score that and then go on to win that game... Then you have that massive swing that we talk about from the Barnsley game, but we just didn't have one game like that, did we, Matt? When we something we struggled was was when we weren't behind, we just didn't do it. Like today, as an example, against Huddersfield, we haven't picked up three points. I think that there are, you know, quite a few reasons why that was the case, but yeah, that Zhao miss definitely hurt, and it felt like the momentum was was building um, at that point as well, and. Mm. Yeah, another one. Like you don't want to say we would have gone on to win the match had he scored that penalty, but it definitely was a possibility. That kind of was extinguished after he missed, and obviously the knock-on effects of that penalty miss as well. I think that knocked his confidence for the next couple, and and then those you know penalty misses kind of culminated in in us not making the playoffs. Like I, I again, I'm not trying to put all the um, blame on Lucas Zhao for that because there are a myriad of factors. But yeah, it, he put he got us in the position, but then those men have also somewhat costed us. Yeah, that's exactly it. We shouldn't forget that Lucas Zhao also scored 19 league goals this season. And without those goals, I don't like me attacking Lucas Zhao because I think he's absolutely fantastic. And I, like you love John Swift, I, I do love Lucas Zhao. There's no doubt on that. <laughs> Something about him. I like him when he's at his peak, but... Frustrating in other ways. So most improved player we'll come on to now, Alex. We've got a few contenders. You could have Holmes, Elise, and McIntyre. Any others you can think of there? 
uh richards yeah, would probably be one um maybe a maybe one an unexpected one josh lauren um yeah uh, i probably probably that's the list i would say um in totality uh if i was to pick out of that list at least probably is the obvious choice i think to be the most improved player um I personally wouldn't pick Elise to be the most improved player, if only because I feel like his step up was probably almost expected. Uh, to this level, I don't know, maybe not. Maybe maybe people weren't expecting him to get, I think it's 19 uh, goal contributions this season. He's had seven goals, 12 assists, which is you know incredible for someone who's 19 now, uh, maybe 18. I can't remember. Um but yeah, he's he's obviously had an incredible season, but it feels like personally I would probably pick Tom Holmes, who I think has has kind of forced his way into the first team and the first team squad. Um from where we saw at the start of the season, I probably would have had him at fifth choice centre back. Um and he's he's forced his way past Gibson and McIntyre really at centre back. Um, to, to push himself and to be third choice centre back, and, and he's had a lot of games this season at right back as well, filling in for for year Dom as well there. So I'd probably pick Tom Holmes, um, but I could kind of understand if someone if you were to go in other directions. Yeah, it's good to have a choice, isn't it? In these situations, I mean, previous seasons we've been struggling to find one, haven't we? So now we've got like three or four. Who would you go for, Matt? Yeah, I guess it like most improved since when is is what was the question. Uh from from last year, I I, I don't think you can argue that it's Michael Lee's like he had one assist for this season. And as Alex has said, um he's kind of run the show at point. Um I think there's some interview somewhere where they spoke about him needing to up that kind of goal involvement, and he's done that beyond I think what was probably expected, even from within the camp. Um, Richards is another one, like, yeah, um, especially first half of the season before Yeardom came back in. Um, you don't get moved to buy Munich out of nothing. If that's happening, it's not actually confirmed. Who knows? Um, and then... On, on the subject sorry, of Richards, before we go any further, is his move to buy Munich, which we don't know if it's confirmed, like you say, Matt, is his move to buy Munich, do we think, a, um, a Nick Blackman-esque situation, potentially? where he's he's signed for a major team off the back of five or six months of good performances, or is the kind of more to come from, from Omar Richards? I think Omar Richards has shown what he can do and has shown it like fairly consistently. I think that the downturn in form in the second half of the season has far more to do with a change of play with Yedon coming back in on the right more than um, Richards actually playing worse. Um, but he obviously hasn't been as uh, like vital. Um, Definitely some of that. He has dipped off, but I do think he's also missed Ovia Jari a lot down that left-hand side as well. Um, I think it's a big factor. When I look at Richards going to Bayern Munich, I mean, it's an absolutely astonishing move for him, isn't it? I mean, no player would turn that one down. It does seem incredible that from last season, there'd be a whole set of our fans that wouldn't have been bothered if he left. Not particularly. They'd quite a lot of them would have rather see Tyler Blackett stay. So it's incredible. I was probably one of those. Yeah, I think me too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it is quite incredible. So I do wonder, but Bayern Munich can't lose. Because if he goes there, 
and then becomes a relative success. They're going to get more money than they've paid out for him, which is virtually nothing, I suspect. If he works out, it's even better for them. But I just hope he kind of, he doesn't sit at Bayern Munich for too long if he's not playing. I think hope he makes the right move because you see this so often with players. They make the dream move to this huge club and they don't progress enough. And it's going to be very, very tough for him at Bayern, isn't it, Matt? I mean, to move from the championship to the Premier League is big, but to the Champions League and not just the Champions League, but teams that want to be winning it, that's that's really hard, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, from people who know more about Bayern Munich than I do, they they kind of suggest that he will get um, game time. Like, obviously, he's not going to go there and be the first choice left back. And I wouldn't expect anyone thinks that. But, I mean, as you say, it's like a move you cannot turn down as a player, um, especially one from Reading. Um even if he does go there and, and rots on the bench, like he's he's gone to Bayern Munich, like that's something that is going to be on your CV forever. I, I would take that. I'd go to Bayern Munich bench. So, yeah, I mean, I think um, coming back to the uh, the kind of uh, most improved player, um, Tom Holmes, I would agree, is right up there. Um, my only thing with Tom Holmes is, yeah, when, when are you measuring from? Um, I think he did actually move to third choice centre back. Um, when Panovic came in and McIntyre, or maybe he only jumped above McIntyre, maybe, but because McIntyre couldn't make the trip out to Portugal. Um, I I think he's been much better at centre-back than he has been at right-back. But um, yeah, I think if, if we went into next season with him as a first-choice centre-back, that I'd be absolutely okay with that. And that is testament to how well he's played this season. Yeah, as long as he's got an experienced player alongside him on a regular basis... I think he needs that. I don't think you... I mean, I love both him and McIntyre. I think they're really good talents going forward. And I think they're going to be strong for the club if Tom is here before you say it, Matt. But we will see how it works. Because if he's playing in games with those two young players and they start to get into a bit of bad form, it's very hard. They need that senior player alongside them with a Morrison. Yet again, will he be here? With a Liam Moore, whoever comes in. Wow, our contract issues are really too much, aren't they, right now? But... I don't know. I'm going to go for, I understand what you both said, Elise and Holmes, but I'm just going to say McIntyre because that game against Preston was so dire, so bad. And you read how after that match, it then affected Tom, obviously in different ways that we don't know, we don't see. But he went on to have this mental coaching from this Mark Bowden, which Liam Moore has also had, and about the positivity of believing in yourself and not overanalyzing issues that need to be analysed. And kind of just believing in himself. And I think that's a key factor with the young players coming through. Sometimes they have the, I wouldn't say arrogance, but belief. Like Elise came into the team. He had it straight away. He felt like he should be there. He's like, why have I not been here for the last two years? But I think for Tom, he had that extra pressure coming in, being a Reading fan. We all knew that. And we can't imagine how it feels to go out and play on the pitch, being a fan of a club. I think that's a unique situation. But yeah, let's get on to the contracts coming up and leaving. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a worry with Morrison McIntyre, isn't it, Matt? I mean, just mentioned it, but if they both don't sign, we've got a huge gap in our central defence. Yeah, I mean, McIntyre's doing all right out of this podcast at the minute, isn't he? Yeah, one, <laughs> one both uh, the good category so far. Um, yeah, I think that um, with with Morrison, it, I think it'll be difficult for us to give him too long a contract because I know he's been kind of 
uh, a fan favourite in many ways at the heart of that defence, but he is coming to an age where maybe he'll start to kind of lose a bit of, you know, what makes him a good player. And we also have to bear in mind that Tom McIntyre and Tom Holmes are going to want to step up into that space. So I don't want to tie down a centre-back spot for the next two years when we've got clear options coming through. Um, but that that only works if, if McIntyre signs. So you definitely don't want to be losing both. Ideally, you probably don't want to lose either for next year. Losing one, I think we could probably work with. What do you think, Alex? Do you think they'll both be here next season? Um, I'm gonna say no. I don't think they'll both be here. I think well, I think Matt's probably got the nail on the head. I feel like it. It almost seems like McIntyre might be in a position where he can wait to see if Morrison signs first before we're deciding what to do. Um, although Reading might be, you know, his boyhood club and been a fan. Um, at the end of the day, it's still a career for him and. Um, if he's offered the option to go and get first team football somewhere else in the championship next season and Reading can't offer him that, or he'll be, you know, third choice or maybe fourth choice behind Tom Holmes. Is that going to be a situation that McIntyre wants to find himself in if Morrison signs? I mean, it's, it's difficult to, to, to know really. Um, and as Matt said with Morrison, I think it's you don't really want to give Morrison a two-year deal uh, in theory because of the fact, yes, you do have these options. But in practice, will Morrison sign a one-year deal? That seems unlikely as well. So it's, it's, it's a very difficult situation. I think the club have kind of backed themselves into a little bit of a corner really by having, you know, not one, not two. But then we're also losing all the low-knee players. So Lewis Gibson is gone. Um, we only actually now have two centre-backs um, on the books already for next season. Yeah, that's a bit of a worry, isn't it? But we've got a long old summer to go. Um, let's move on to a player of the season here. Um, what would your oh, top... Just go before on. we do player of the season, um, yeah. whilst we're talking about out-of-contract players, a quick mention for one of our esteemed uh, fan non-favourites um, of the last few years in uh, Sean Aluko, who is oh. out of contract in six weeks' time and uh, has had a better season this year than he has had in previous years for Reading. So yeah, yeah, that is true. That is definitely true. Credit due where it's due, but I think the time yeah. has come to say goodbye. It hasn't worked out that move. I think it's fair to say. Um, uh, it hasn't been a huge success. Um yeah, I want to spend too much time on Senior Luca because it feels like we're moving into a bad area there. Him and Bulldog. But but player of the season, what would your one, two, three be there, um, Matt? Uh, I think given the goals he scored, Jao's got to be number one. Um, it's not just that he's scored goals, it's that often he's made it out of almost nothing. And I think we've seen that there are uh, you know, we don't have another player that can kind of do exactly what he does. Um, number two, for much the same reason as Michael Lee's, Um I mean, even today, he's he's scored one and assisted one. And um, OK, we haven't won the game in the end. But he's been pretty crucial in in uh, 
securing us a point at the very least. Uh, there are other games I could point to, kind of like uh, Millwall away and QPR away, where he's done similar things. And then third, I've, I've talked him up already, probably Omar Richards. Um, I understand that he's had a quieter second half of the season, but as I say, I put that more down to um, kind of a change of tactics more than him dropping out. Um, I just want to kind of... Um, cover myself off with Josh Lawrence because I understand that everyone is going to say him but uh, I think he's done a really good job this season and he would be in and around my top three um, it's just that um, yeah I mean I think the other three have gone above and beyond what was probably expected of them I'm going to go in with my one because I've got a cover fire my one as well actually there so I totally understand what you're doing there Matt <laughs> you've left out Josh Lawrence I've left out Michael Elise which I know is criminal <laughs> but just my feeling of consistency and, yeah, at least could easily be in there. It's a really tough one. But I went for Lucas Jow, Josh Lawrence and uh, Morrison. You could pick multiple different players. I don't think there is a 100% winner in previous seasons that we've seen. But, Alex, who did you go for? Um, I went for exactly the same order as you, Paul. Um, but I think it is really good to see that, you know, we're having a discussion where we, we're picking out a top three and we're saying, oh, we'll have to cover ourselves that we're not including this player or this player here. Um, because over the last, I don't know, probably three or four years, the, the player of the season has been either A, very obvious, or B, we've had maybe one or two players, like two players competing for it and that's it. Um, this year, it did feel like, I know Josh Lawrence probably walked away with the, the fans vote in the end, but... Um, I think there would have been a, a fairly even spread of votes after Josh Laurent for probably maybe four or five players. I think Zhao, Morrison, Elise, Richards, um, you know, they all would have had a, a, a decent amount of votes uh, behind behind Josh Laurent. So it's good to see that we've got like a, a decent range of players this year um, outside of just the person who's won. Yeah, it's hard to um, argue with Josh Lauren winning it. I know we all got different ones to that, but I mean, like we've just said, it's good to have a positive discussion about player of the season instead of trying to work out who's been the least worst, isn't it, Matt? Because it's been like that for the last few seasons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just nice for a goalkeeper not to win it. Like that. Yeah. We so, love a goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, Ali Al-Habsi, I think, won it twice. And in those years, he absolutely was keeping us in games. I, I guess that's a good thing that Raphael had a poorer season. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. But, yeah, it's, it's nice for an outfield player to win it and for us not to be relying quite so much on on the, the man between the sticks. So, positivity going into next season. Let's not make any predictions and where we're going to finish or anything because that is just madness. You can never do, do that. But we've got to be feeling more upbeat than, say, compared to the end of last season, whenever that was, June, July, August. I'm not quite sure what it was. But go on, Alex. I think we've got... So I'm just going to throw some positivity out there. We've got a pretty good spine to the team, to the first 11, um, to build around. I think everybody's well aware that we're going to have to probably sign a, a good amount of players this summer. Um, because the squad is going to get kind of ripped to shreds through contracts, loans, etc. Um, in the next six weeks or so. However, I think if you look at the first eleven, we do have kind of a a pretty solid kind of central area um, now, which we can build around for next season. Um, 
and and really you're trying to find almost not side pieces but you're trying to find pieces to slot in alongside them uh, as it were and that we do have we do have key critical players already in position for next season and it's just about finding the pieces to kind of unlock the unlock the puzzle as it were positive matt for next season yes sort of cautiously confident about it i agree with everything alex has said there that okay we might lose michael lees um I guess there's a world where someone comes in for Lucas Zhao or, so, or someone like that, but I can't see the team being completely decimated or the starting 11 being completely decimated. Um, so that's that's definitely positives. Um, the, the one kind of uh, caveat I have to that is whatever's going on with Raphael after today, which does make me slightly more nervous. But um, I think that if we end up in a rebuild phase next season, which is possible then Panovic isn't going to get that kind of time that he would have had this year um given that this season was meant to be the rebuild season so that's um my only worry and it's not so much that I worry about what goes on on the pitch in that circumstance but more about yeah how 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 long our owners will put up with something like that given the investment that they put in yeah, the elephant in the room is the uh, FFP, isn't it? We don't know what's going to happen there, and uh, we've managed to get away with it so far. Um, maybe we won't this summer, but we can't uh, work out what's going to happen there because we just don't know. So thanks a lot for listening. Let's hope it's going to be an even more positive one by this time next season, and we're talking about promotion. God, I'm already regretting saying that. So cheers. Thanks a lot.